All of us find ourselves navigating these difficult and trying times. The current global health crisis has led to lots of soul searching as we think about an uncertain future. No doubt, our anxiety levels are high. For the Christian, understanding and handling anxiety has to happen from the perspective of the biblical narrative as opposed to the cultural narrative. Youth workers and parents have been given unprecedented opportunity to address anxiety with their children and teens. After all, they're worried. Dr. Ed Welch is a valuable resource to us all as we think about and address anxiety from a biblical perspective. Stick with us for a very practical, helpful, and timely discussion with Ed Welch on this episode of Youth Culture Matters. From the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, this is Youth Culture Matters. If you're a parent, youth worker, educator, counselor, grandparent, or anyone else who cares about kids, we're glad you've joined us for this practical, informative, and hope-filled podcast. This is a place where together we talk and think Christianly about the rapidly changing world of today's children, teens, and young adults. Welcome everybody to another episode of Youth Culture Matters, and we are putting together episodes now that were unimaginable uh, in the past. We've talked about anxiety, but certainly with what's going on now globally with the health crisis, with the coronavirus, anxiety seems to be something that people are talking about a lot because they're experiencing quite a bit of it. And this is a great opportunity for us as a ministry and also for you as youth workers and parents to speak the truths of the gospel into the lives of your kids. Uh, I, I really believe, I mean, this is what's happened for me. This crisis has caused some uncertainty. It's caused me to ask some questions, and I really think it peels back in many ways these veneers that we have in our lives of trust in things that we should not be trusting in, and it forces us now to to go to God and listen to God's Word and trust in His grace and trust in His mercy. And certainly when it comes to anxiety, that's a reality as well. So in just a little bit, we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Ed Welch and talk about anxiety. Ed has written on this extensively. He's a counselor and a faculty member at uh, the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation just outside of Philadelphia. He has written extensively, as I've said, and we're going to talk about some of his resources including a brand new resource in God's providence, very timely, just coming out now that's written for students on anxiety. So we'll come back and talk about that uh, with Ed and our other guests. But I want to just go to Jason real quick. Jason, thanks for for coming on. I know you're up there in the Northwest. And as we conversed about this yesterday, it's not just a coronavirus, it's anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah, and and it's being felt by so many. Uh, I just was having conversations uh, via Zoom, which is just even crazy to say these days, but via Zoom with youth pastors here in our region. And uh, that's what the students are dealing with, and that's what they are dealing with. And so it's something that they're trying to work through because as they're helping their students, they're also dealing with the aftermath and the reality of what is and what is to come. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of upheaval, and certainly when that happens, that gets us thinking, uh, especially as we're, we're dealing with anxiety. So I, I've really benefited over the years, just in my own life personally and in, in ministry as well, from the work of Ed Welch. I've read most of his books. Uh, they've been extremely helpful. The organization that he's with, the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, 
we've developed many friends and been able to, to put many resources in the hands of youth workers. So, Ed, thank you so much for joining us. I'm guessing you're realizing right now, you know, people's heartache and brokenness. This is a growth industry. I don't mean to laugh, but we realize, you know, as I said to you earlier, that for such a time as this, right? That's a great question. Uh, um, excuse me for humming and hawing, but I would, uh, the short answer would be yes, for such a time as this. But but we're talking about anxieties and fears, and as far as I can tell, they are either right under the surface or they're on the surface. So so if they're not right on the surface like they are right now, they're always right under it. So this is always relevant. Yeah, right yeah, and, and the gospel certainly speaks to this as we'll dive into this. I want to welcome one other person here on the podcast today, and that's our good friend John Parrott from Reformed Youth Ministries, rymonline.org. And John, you you folks just released a resource, or it's in the process of being released, that Ed has written. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, thanks again for having me on. Um, yeah, it was just released, um, and it's entitled A Student's Guide to Anxiety. It's in a series we're calling the Track Series. Um, you know, we believe that discipling students to be readers are one of the primary ways we need to be you know, engaging in the discipleship process. And so we want to get them theologically rich resources that are also accessible. Um, so Dr. Ed Welch played a part in producing one of our, our first booklets that came out. Mm. Well, let's just jump into this because we want to help youth workers and parents uh, navigate this, not only the anxiety and fear that they're feeling in their own lives or they're experiencing, but also you know, d- difficult times give us great opportunities for discussion and to engage in Christian nurture with our kids. So I'll start with the obvious question, Ed. You know, what is anxiety? Help us understand that from a biblical perspective. Anxiety tends to live out in the future. By the way, there are all kinds of words we could throw in here, Walt. Anxiety, fear, stress, worry, uh, feeling out of control. You know, these are all, it's all that that particular field. What they're doing is they're looking out in front of us, sometimes uh, a few hours out in front, sometimes a few days, sometimes a few years, and, and they're forecasting that things that are very important to us are at risk. That's That seems to be the basic idea of our anxieties and worries. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm thinking about students because I think we hear a lot about, two, two, two of the words I hear a lot in the student population now, I hear a lot about identity, which certainly the gospel speaks to. Uh, that seems to be on the forefront of people's minds, and they go to different places uh, to try to find identity. Certainly we know where to go, but I also hear about anxiety. Help us understand the difference between anxiety and fear. I know you've written about this, you've talked about this, and you know, our, our I think what's been helpful to me is is begin to understand that anxiety can actually be a good thing, and there is a difference between anxiety and fear. I'm I'm going to mess them all up and put them all in the same the same the same package overall. As we use it in normal language, fear seems to be something we can identify. It's it's vivid. It's close up. It's we see it. We can almost touch it. Anxiety tends to be a little bit more nebulous. We we feel it. We feel the stress. We we feel the jitteriness, and it's more diffuse. There, are, you know, we can identify a number of things out there, but perhaps not one in particular. 
So, so fears might be more relevant today because we can identify concerns that we have. Yeah. So, so I remember uh, something I read or heard from you a while back just about the differences you, you said, and you, you just said this fear is more identifiable. So, you know, sp- sp- focusing on specifics. So for me, climbing a ladder. I mean, that's as soon as I heard you say that, that's what I think about. You know, that's identifiable. It's, when I go to the garage and I'm pulling the ladder out, I'm already starting to get a little bit nervous because I know what, what lies ahead. And then I've heard you also say, as you just said, anxiety is more a general feeling of dread, a sense that a bad thing is about to happen. Theologically, help us understand that as well from the standpoint of our, our trust in God and our relationship with God. Uh, you know, I, you've said this, I've heard others say this, do not worry, do not fear, do not be anxious, the most oft-repeated command in the Scriptures, which seems to indicate God knows we deal with this. But go deeper in this with us for us and help us unpack that a bit. The last thing in the world we want is to somehow eradicate our fears and be numb to them. That's, that's simply denial. Here's what we know about the human condition. We will have fears and anxieties. That is, that is part of who we are. And, and I, would, I would say that they're going to grow as we get older. They're not going to shrink because they're going to be, hopefully, as we get older, there are more things at risk. There are more people that we love. And there are matters of life and death and, and disease and on, on and on and on. So, so, you know, that word, that, the phrase that Jesus has captures some of it. In this world, you will have trouble. Mm-hmm. There is trouble in this world. And our anxieties remind us that we are a whole lot smaller and weaker and out of control to, to do anything about today than we ever realized. We have this myth that somehow somehow we can make it through the day. You know, we, have, we have it in ourselves to make it through. But our anxieties remind us of something, I think, a very important reality, that we are, we are smaller and weaker and much more dependent on all kinds of people around us than we realize. Mm. And, and, and uh, Jason and John, feel free to chime in if you have any questions or comments here. Uh, I, I want you to help carry this conversation, you know, on behalf of folks so that we're sure we're picking Ed's brain in, in ways that uh, really connect with folks. Um, as, you, as, you, uh, as you talk about this, in, in light of our current situation, what kinds of things are you hearing people ask with this health crisis, and what would you recommend to folks specifically related to this as they're trying to navigate their own sense of fear or anxiety or that of their, of their children and teens? Uh, I guess the, the, the first thing I'm thinking is, 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 again, like we mentioned, anxiety and fears, they're, they're always a matter for us to consider. Scripture makes these a very, very high-profile issue because it talks about our fears and anxieties simply all over the place. This is an occasion for for individuals, but it's also an occasion for families to put anxiety into play, mm-hmm. to, to, to say, here's something important to us, and here's a place where we want the Spirit of the living God to drive us in further to the very heart of God. Mm-hmm. So, so if I could especially encourage parents to not be thinking about their teens, but to be thinking about themselves. Yeah. When, when I would talk to my teenage daughters about Scripture, 
there would be two ways to talk about it. One would be as a kind of teacher, as an educator, which, which really wasn't that helpful for them. The other was as a, as a co-struggler and to share, here's my devotions. Here's how my devotions were raised questions in my mind. Here's how my devotions were really helpful. Here's how I want to pray my devotions this morning. So, so please don't think that this is an occasion where we're, we're the educators. This is, this is an occasion where we are all together and we want to grow in, in hearing these beautiful words that God has to say to fearful people. Ed, you were talking about um, numbness just a little while ago and trying to, you know, remain numb to some of our anxieties. And I was just curious, some of the the common escapes that you see uh, people make, you know, to get away from their anxieties. I mean, it could be specifically to teenagers, but also to adults to help us kind of see maybe the subtle ways in which we try to self-medicate our anxieties, uh, those escapes that we go to and the ways that we numb it. Just uh, any thoughts there that you can give us? Well, I would get, I'd like to get some of the rest of the thoughts on that one. I'll, I'll start. Noise is certainly one way to, to do it, and any kind of noise, from, from podcasts to, to, to music to, to background news to pornography. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the thoughts I had, and I think we talked about this yesterday, Jason, on the podcast we recorded yesterday, is, you know, what happened when, uh, you know, several days ago, everything started to shut down. You know, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, is there going to be a National Football League draft? I mean, and when that started to happen, as I have told many people, it happened on a day when I was very excited to watch my Philadelphia Flyers possibly move into first place with a win in a game that was scheduled for that <laughs> night. And when it didn't happen, I was in my hotel room up in Boston and had been looking forward to watch. I started to sort of pace around like, well, what do I do now? And then I was forced mm-hmm. into thinking about, you know, what are, is this a diversion? And then, and then you go the next step, this noise, is this actually an idol? that keeps me from putting my eyes on the the sovereign God of the universe who wants my worship, my time, and my attention. And so my fear in this, Ed, as you talk about noise, is that while much of it has been removed because of things getting canceled and we're being, you know, quarantined at some level and cloistered, we still have social media. And I'm just afraid that's that's already been huge noise. You know, we get lost in our screens. That's a diversion. We know we're trying to pull kids out of that. Now do we go from six hours a day or are our kids going to jump into 12 to 14 hours a day as a way to numb themselves? And, John, I liked how you said anesthetize ourselves or medicate ourselves, you know, self-medicate out of this. And so we really need to be watching this as well. Jason, did you have a comment or a question? Well, I, I, you make a great point with just the, the reality that we've lost a lot of our noise. And so there are, are really few options, and you brought up pornography. I think that that's uh, – and in fact, in Europe, Pornhub already uh, is giving free subscriptions. Uh, and mm-hmm. so there's there's a, an expectation that, that porn use is going to rise. And, and I, I think with the loss of noise, one of the questions I, I would just uh, want to know is – there are fewer things for us to, to notice in our kids and in ourselves. I really appreciate that you talked about being aware of what's going on in your own self. And so I, I just would ask, what do we need to be paying attention to, both in ourselves 
Uh, now when we're at home with our families and then maybe in our kids. And then we have youth workers that are paying attention not just to their kids, but to the kids that they've uh, been discipling. Yeah, with youth workers, we're certainly we're certainly thinking how can how can fear be a module right now where it's an occasion for for all of us to to grow in it. Uh, here's if there's one thing that that I think of when it comes to fears, it's probably it's very very simple, but it's one of the hardest things to do. It's Psalm sixty two eight. It's something it, it it captures really the heart of Scripture and our very personal connection to the Lord. Pour out your heart before Him. Mm. Pour out your heart before Him. Fear has a tendency to 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 either either to be distracted or to frantically try to manage it. Well, since we can't manage this one, we we prefer distraction. What the Lord does, which is characteristic of all really good relationships, he says, let's start here. Simply speak to me from your heart. And basically the question that you find throughout the Psalms is, is the Lord, this preliminary question where the Lord is saying, what is especially important to you? Tell me about the things that are important to you. That's what people who love you, that's what they do. They, they said, just don't, let's, let's talk about something important to you. What is on your heart? Mm-hmm. So the Lord who knows our hearts, he, it's, it's valuable for him that, that we put the things on our hearts into words to him. Pour out your heart to the Lord. That's, that's what I want to grow into over the coming weeks. So, so is it the dynamic of fear causes you to run, whereas when you turn to the, the solemn here, it's pouring out your heart, which is really more turning to God. And instead of running away, you're running too. Is that an easier? Is that is that a way to uh, address that? Is that one of the dynamics that you would hope yeah, we would be yeah, able to well, do in this time? You've captured a, a really, really nice way of of understanding the Christian life. It's 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 directional. Mm-hmm. It's it's we're moving toward ourselves and managing our own world, or it's moving toward the Lord. It's it's one or the other, and and. And to simply speak our anxieties to the Lord is, is this, it's this wonderful process where we're turning away from self-management and, and other distractions, and we're simply doing the, the, the most important thing a human being can do. We are turning to the Lord who hears and, and who responds and, and encourages us to say more and, and on and on and on, this wonderful personal relationship. Mm. So this, this is good. I, I know we need to take a break, but just a takeaway from this first section here. One of the things you said, Ed, that really hit me, and I need, to, I, I need to be beat over the head with this lesson all the time. You differentiated between a teacher, uh, you know, as a parent or a youth worker, and, and, and that is what we are. I would use, just from my own experience and the, the way I adopt that posture, I'd be more of a lecturer. Uh, and, you know, so as opposed to being a lecturer or teacher, we want to be co-strugglers and we want to help our kids see, you know, we, we deal with these things too. And let's walk through this together as we work through this. And I know you mentioned Psalm 62, eight there, uh, pour, pour out your heart before him. And I just opened that up and I love the words in that verse immediately before and after that, because it gives us even more reason 
to pour out our hearts to God. It says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. God is a refuge for us. And just before we break, I just want to remind youth workers and parents what an amazing opportunity we have been given right now uh, because not only are kids hungry, not only are we hungry, but I think we're really self-aware of our hunger. And that's when we tend to hopefully move from the diversions and be more open uh, to eating, you know, the bountiful feast of God's Word that's before us with all these truths and doctrines. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back and continue our conversation about anxieties and fears with Dr. Ed Welch. Someone once told me that readers are leaders and leaders are readers. I'm convinced that one of the most important disciplines for youth workers and parents is reading. I've also found that reading and discussing books together has helped me not only stay on a reading schedule, but to consider things that I might not have noticed on my own. That said, I want to invite you to join a reading community where together we read noteworthy and provocative books on important matters related to faith and culture. Our CPYU reading and discussion group can be found on Facebook. Almost 500 people are a part of the group, and we'd love to have you join us. We read and discuss one book every two months. Just search on Facebook for the CPYU Reading Discussion Group and then request to join. I'd love to have you join us. Well, welcome back to Youth Culture Matters. We're having a a timely conversation that really has been not only occasioned by our humanity, because as Dr. Ed Welch has said, you know, fear and anxiety are always there. It's part of the human condition, and that's certainly why the scriptures address it. But it's on the forefront of our minds right now because of the 24-hour news cycle, because of all the, the changes we've had to make in our life, lifestyles uh, over these last few days and weeks related to the coronavirus, and who knows what lies ahead. But I want to talk about how anxiety you know, really drives us, I think, to our knees. You know, as Ed said before the break, when we look at uh, the words uh, of the psalmist in Psalm 62, you know, pour your heart out before him. There's something really fruitful uh, that can come from uh, recognizing our, our anxieties and fears and handling them in a way that leads to growth. And so, Ed, I want to ask you about a theology of of suffering. You know, we tend to avoid it. I watched uh, Tim Keller's, uh, you know, live stream last night where he talked about anxiety and he, and, you know, just fear and that's a pain and suffering. And one of the things he talked about, and I think a lot of our folks who listen who are familiar with Tim Keller are familiar with this, he talked about how in past cultures, you know, death, short lifespan, illness, you know, heartache, suffering, it was just an expected thing that people lived with, and they learned how to handle it well, and certainly for followers of Christ, uh, they were cognizant of it. But in today's world, we, we have just been lulled to sleep by the comforts of modern living, especially in our Western world and here in North America, that we have now come to you know, think that you know, we, we just can't even deal with suffering. So the diversion that we were talking about earlier, you know, kind of self-medicating away from it. But there's something beautiful about suffering that those who have suffered and gone to the cross and gone to Christ, gone to God, gone to the gospel, there's something redemptive about that. And you as a counselor 
are constantly engaging with people in the midst of their brokenness. Can you talk about suffering and a theology of suffering and what we need to understand? And then um, I won't say lecture, uh, maybe I'll say teach, you know, share as we as we are, uh, you know, co-strugglers through this. You know, how can we live through this and adopt a good theology of suffering? Uh, right. Right behind our fears is is this nagging question. And and it goes something like this. Why? If we have a good father who is the sovereign one who is over all the earth, who can calm a storm with a word with just one word, he can make life better for us. Why is it that we go through such hard things? That's, it seems to me that that's a question that's relevant to, to everyone who has, has, has in any way reckoned with the person of Jesus Christ. There, is a, there seems to be this sense that, that to be a Christian means that our life will be a little less filled with suffering than everybody else. Because, because we have Jesus, and he is the one. He's taken away our burdens. He's taken away our sufferings. So our life is going to be a little bit, little bit, more, a little bit easier. And, and here is the reality that, that Jesus is determined in this particular era that, that we will go through everything the world goes through, that somehow we will not, we will not be spared the statistics of of the viruses or the hurricanes, whatever it might be that, that assaults humanity. And, and this is the very will of God for us. And it became obvious to the disciples what was going on when, when, when you hear the Apostle Paul finally recognizing that, hold it, hold it, hold it, the one that I'm following went through the most difficult of sufferings. And, 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 and he is, if I'm following him, why would I think that somehow I am going to be spared those difficulties? The way of the cross is the way where we trust our Father in the midst of our difficulties. So, Walt, you're, you're identifying a critical issue that, that all of us, not just, not just teens, all of us need to grow, grow through. We need to be less and less surprised when there are hard things in our life. And, and, and we, we, we must understand that, that, that our Father is close at that time. He's not the God who is far away and is absent. He is the God who is especially close then. Mm. Uh, you know, let me, let me oh, uh, Jason, can yeah, I throw please. something in real quick here? Because yeah. Ed, in the beginning, and I'll get back to you in a second there, you, you, and I'll lose this thought, this is the way my brain is, but... You talked about, you know, the question we ask, you know, why when, when Jesus could calm the storm with a word, just a word, why doesn't he do that in our lives? And it reminded me, because it's fresh on my mind, last night we FaceTimed, uh, a three-way FaceTime with uh, my, my two kids who have children of their own, our grandchildren. Then the grand, five grandchildren are all age six and under, and we decided, I said to Lisa, hey, let's Let's see if we can FaceTime, and at night, they'll grab their Sally Lloyd-Jones Jesus Storybook Bible. We'll grab ours. We'll, we'll read a story. So last night, I chose the story, and it was the captain of the storm. And man, did that minister to me, you know, the, the story from Mark 4 and Matthew 8, where Jesus calms the storm, as you said, Ed, with one word. 
But what's interesting is that, and you can if you have the Jesus Storybook Bible, there's a great picture in there of this boat being rocked by the storm, one of the disciples hanging on to the mast almost, you know, perpendicular to the wa- uh, water uh, or parallel to the water, excuse me. The others are in there, you know, just fear in their eyes. And Jesus is sound asleep in the front of the boat. He looks corpse-like. It's a, <laughs> it's a wonderful picture. And the reality is that, you know, we may be in the midst of the storm, but we, know, we also know how that story ended. And I'm just I'm throwing that out there because that was really helpful to me overnight. So just a response mm-hmm. to what you said there. Jason. Well, the thing that I, I think a lot about, because this happens in my own life, is uh, I, I, what do you, I guess the, the way that I'm trying to, to phrase the question is, in my own life, I trust that the Lord is going to move. I believe in the story that we're speaking. I believe that with one word, God can do an incredible movement. Uh, but what I'm also feeling in the midst of that is still some of that fear and anxiety. So I trust, but I still feel some of that. And I just, I, 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 I'm curious what uh, your response is to something like that, where in the midst of that, I know the story. I know that with one word, Jesus can calm the storm. But in the midst of the storm, I then not only believe that, but then I also start having some of the or fear, or st- I still in the background still have some of that rolling. Like, gosh, is it going to happen? I, I, I'm just curious what your thoughts are when you've got someone that that's engaging in that. Like, you're 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 believing, you're wanting to believe, but you still have some of that. Like, uh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, and Ed, by the way, Jason's asking for counseling here, so send him a bill after this. <laughs> after you give me your answer, that's what's going on here. No, but I, I yeah, think no, this is something good. that oh, we yeah, all experience. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. Right? Like it's we, we say, trust the Lord. And and there is that dynamic that's still happening within us that's like, I trust, mm-hmm. but then there's all these swirling other things that are happening. The uh, This is an occasion. This, this particular time in our history is an occasion for us to want to grow up just a little bit more. That's I think that's why we're even mm-hmm. talking about these that's things. Good. And yeah. when we think about growing up, what does it look like? It looks like, well, we want to become like a child. That's... You know, that's one of the heroes that Jesus puts before us. And a child knows that he or she does not have a whole lot of power and authority. And the child has no choice but to trust the the parent. So that's what we want to do. We want to grow up to be more and more like children. And what that's going to look like, Jason, I think you just captured it really nicely. It's going to look like not the extinction of anxiety, but this curious blend between anxiety and trust. Uh, this, this curious blend between, well, okay, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. It's, it's, similar mm. to, yeah. it's similar to grief, people who experience grief. What we're looking for in our grief is not the extinction of our grief when we've lost something very important to us. What we want is grief that is somehow mingled with trust. It's a strange combination. But that's that's what we're looking for. And, and Jason, I think that's what you you just identified. And you make a great point with that uh, of a child, because I remember as a child when my dad would say, I, I, jump out to me. I will get you. I, I, I was filled with fear. Like I remember my dad was a firefighter. I'd get on a fire truck. And I remember one time being on the back of a fire truck. and My dad said, hey, I'll catch you. And I just remember that feeling like I, I, I know he'll catch me, but I'm I'm so afraid that he's not. 
And it was the trust that I had that ultimately got me to move to, to I remember him saying, I love you. I won't, I won't not catch you. I got you. And I jumped. And so it seems like that's a great way. And what I hear you saying is, is it's, there's that faith. You still have that feeling of fear, but you have that faith to be able to move forward. Well, let me take that that illustration and push it a little bit farther for us, that that the Lord comes to us and he says, jump, jump into my arms. And we're on top of the fire truck and we see him and we sort of want to, but we don't. We say, no, I am, I'm, I am not going <laughs> to yeah. jump. I, I'm going yeah. to find some some ladder I can crawl down or something like that. Yeah, that is that is part of the Christian life where where yeah. we, we see that he's that he has the strength and the love to catch us, but we're not ready to jump. And and then then he says to us, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, which is not which is not a criticism. It's an invitation yeah. to know him. And, and so in, in, so what he does is he begins to talk to us. He begins to speak to us about the reasons why we can trust him. And he's very patient with us. So, so that initial experience of, okay, I hear him saying, trust me. And I'm saying, uh-uh, I just can't do it. That's, that's, within, that's within the scope of life with Christ because we are hearing him say, trust me. We're hearing his voice and, and we would like to do something with it, but it's harder than we think. Yeah. Hey, John, you're, you're a youth worker. You're training youth workers and you're a dad. You know, you've got a house full there. You're on lockdown now, I'm assuming. Uh, you know, what are you talking to your kids about in terms of fear and anxiety? How have you broached this with them? Because your kids span a fairly wide age spectrum. Yes, no, definitely. We've got a you know twelve year old, I guess almost thirteen, all the way down to three. And uh, this isn't avoiding the question, but it's a question I've got, and I want to throw it back to you guys. And you know, Ed, especially, I'd love for you to to answer this. Is kind of going to the other extreme. Is what about the children, the youth that have no concern, no anxiety about what's taking place right now? Um, I know that there are some who are, you know, inconvenienced by not being with their friends, so they're bothered by the coronavirus for that alone. And, and I guess it kind of dovetails into something that you said earlier of, uh, you know, the older we become, the in a sense, our anxiety should grow because we're more aware of the dangers that are out there. And so how can we have discussions with our children to educate them on anxiety and to say, no, look, you should be scared about this uh, without creating just this, you know, anxious basket case of a child. Um, so I guess that, that's kind of, that's my question of kind of getting the other end of the spectrum. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I'll, I'll, I'll take an initial, initial uh, dive into that. It, it seems to me that that would be, that, that would be a fair way for many teens to live, especially if they're in school, they don't have school right now. And, and uh, it's, you know, they have, they have more freedom and, and everybody around them seems to be fine. So, so it seems like it'd be a time for fewer anxieties. They don't have the exam that they were dreading. It's, it's no longer there. Uh, I think there are a couple of ways to do that. One is, well, it's still a good occasion to hear Jesus's words about anxieties. And so the question is, well, when have you had anxieties? And, and here's what we know about human beings. There are anxieties and worries. They're always in our hearts. So what are the kinds of things that you worry about other than school or other than a virus? So it becomes an occasion for that. 
The other is that the nice thing about having children is that chances are we're going to have them for a while. And if there are no anxieties today, there will be tomorrow. And, and so we can mm. be prepared for when they come tomorrow. Mm. I like that, John. That, that was a great question. And, and uh, I, th- I, you know, I'm, I really appreciate that. We're going to take another break here. And when we come back, we're going to jump a little bit deeper into this and, and even look at some more practical suggestions that parents and youth workers can latch on to and engage with as we work to navigate what's happening in our culture right now in ways that bring honor and glory to God. Stick with us. Here at the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, we want to help you stay up to date on today's youth culture. One of the tools we've developed to keep you current is our weekly youth culture e-update. Delivered to you by email, our youth culture e-update comes to you in a format that allows you to easily scroll through and quickly choose those stories and resources that will be most helpful to you in your particular setting. To sign up for this free resource, go to our website at cpyu.org, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and enter your email address in the tab marked e-update sign up. It's that simple. Thanks for sticking with us here on Youth Culture Matters, having a great conversation around anxiety, and and we're going to get to some suggestions here shortly. But before we do, Chris Wagner actually had a a great question that I want to turn over to you, Chris, to be able to to ask Ed. Sure. Uh, Ed, if you could help us maybe understand some of the difference between – like rational fears and anxieties that we might all fear uh, face about things versus uh, some people who struggle with anxiety would have what they um, might call irrational fears. And they might even be able to identify that they're irrational, but they still struggle with those thoughts. And, and could you help us understand a little bit of the difference between those two? Yeah, my, yeah, my, my first concern would be if we think we have a rational fear, uh, well, the, okay, it makes sense. But are we willing to speak to Jesus about it? Uh, sometimes when we understand something, okay, yeah, I have, I have a reasonable fear, then there's no reason to cry out to the Lord in the midst of it. With an irrational fear, oh, by the way, uh, when I think of my own irrational fears, I think they're all rational, of course. <laughs> I think other people's fears are irrational, but my fears are all rational. Uh, the, but I think what you're teasing at, if we think for a moment that our fears are a bit silly, are, are lesser, are, 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 are a bit more foolish or, or irrational, we are going to keep them to ourselves. And that, that, that is this diabolic lie when it comes to fears. Fears are meant to be spoken first to the Lord and then to other people. So the last thing we want is for us to think that somehow our, our fears are just too ridiculous to even speak of. We're, we're not going to speak to the Lord if we have those. Ed, mm. to follow up on that, uh, you know, I was thinking here, we were talking a little bit before the break about suffering. And I read last year this book by Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt called The Coddling of the American Mind, where they talk about the three great untruths in our culture right now that we believe. And one of them is what doesn't kill you makes you weaker, which is totally opposed to a a good theology of suffering, you know, where 
it's a twist on what the what the normal phrase was for that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and we know that in the gospel we see that our suffering builds us up you know when god brings us to the end of ourselves and we we jump to him he does make us stronger suffering is redemptive i've experienced that um and and that got me thinking about the need to preach the gospel to ourselves. Now, there's a connect there because in that book, those guys talk about cognitive behavioral therapy. And I would highly respect your opinion on that. Um, you know, I, I, I respect you on, you know, as a counselor on so many of these things. And I've sort of twisted that in my own mind when I think about the need to preach the gospel to myself and tell, my, or to myself, and tell myself the truth. I, I don't have multiple personalities. That was a slip-up. But preach the gospel to myself <laughs> and uh, speak the truth. I think of that as cognitive you know, gospel therapy, maybe, to, to mm-hmm. take a twist on that. Talk to us about that in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our brokenness. Chris's question there, our fears, uh, whether we see them as rational or irrational, Talk about the practice of knowing Scripture and preaching the gospel to ourselves in the midst of our fear and anxiety. Mm. Uh, that's a that's a great question. Going back to your 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 comment from that book, what what you know what doesn't kill you will make you weaker. Uh, I think that's I think that's very helpful for us to consider because we all know people and we've experienced in our own lives how difficulties and hardships have have encouraged us, have strengthened our faith. And, uh, but, but the reality is that certainly, certainly the, the difficulties of life, as they, as they keep coming at us, we begin to think, well, who is the Lord? And does he really listen? And does it matter? Does anything matter? And we feel even more alone. So, so the question is, how can we enter into reality to to combat that particular experience, and and well, let, let me throw it back to you in a second. But but preaching the gospel to ourselves is is I think ultimately saying the Lord is much nearer than we think. He's much nearer than we think. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that is summarized as forgiveness of sins. The intent of that is that Jesus would be with us and we with Him. That He would be especially close. And when it comes to fears. This is the premier things he says. He says, Emmanuel, to us, I am with you. So preaching the gospel to ourselves is, 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 is a way to remind us, uh, us that our sins do not separate us from the Lord, and he is the God who hears us. And when he hears us, it means that he is doing something. He's doing something. There, there are no such things as passive verbs in, in, in the kingdom of heaven. When I hear something, I hear it. I learn about it. Okay, I, I take it in. But it doesn't mean I'm going to act or do mm. anything. When Jesus hears us, he is close and he is acting. Mm-hmm. It, the little book that was just released by RYM that you wrote, uh, the track uh, Christian Life Book, A Student's Guide to Anxiety, which I'm going to ask John towards the end here to tell us how to get a hold of that and get that in the hands of our students. I was reading that, and on page 17... You say something here, and, you know, I just want you to flesh this out maybe a little more. Uh, I know that it's fairly clear here, but I just thought this was so valuable. You're right. I'm going to read a, a couple of paragraphs here. Listening to God is not always easy. Instead of speaking to you with a voice you can hear, he speaks to you in writing as in a personal letter or a long text message. But that is not the hard part. Here's the problem. 
When life is okay and you feel like things are under control, you don't need him. Uh, That was, what, three, four weeks ago, right? Um, When you don't need him, you don't bother reading the Bible or listening to him. Then, when life gets crazy, and that's there now, you think he is far away because you haven't learned how to listen to him. You forget about his texts. You think they have no answers, so you try to control your own life. You get frantic. You feel out of control. You fall apart. Does this describe you? Either way, when things are good or bad, listening is not easy. Anxiety and worry are a reminder to listen. That's your mission. The brilliant words. I, I, I so appreciate that. It's a, you know, I know you wrote this for students. I'm a student right now. This is so helpful. Um, yeah, just just flesh that out a little bit. What you're saying there, help us help us bring that home to to kids. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to, to something we spoke about uh, a couple episodes ago, which is our, our anxieties are an occasion to learn how to speak to the Lord. Mm. The in in human relationships, what are the best of human relationships? We want to know what's important. We don't want to simply know the events. Of, of a person's life, we want to know what those events were like for him or her. We, we want to know the important events and how those events weighed on their soul, how they tore them down or built them up. That's, that's what we do in human relationships. And we do that in human relationships because that is, that's the way the kingdom of heaven operates. The Lord invites us to pray. And, and so, so wherever we are in being able to listen and hear the Lord in the midst of our anxieties, at least this can be an occasion to remember that, that prayer is one of the most fundamental features of the Christian life, which means we talk to Jesus. That's what we do. And, and it is the hardest thing to do. It is the hardest thing to do. And might this be an occasion for families to, to do those psalms there are some psalms that don't have any requests to them. They simply, the psalmist simply pours out his heart. Might this be an occasion for people and families to simply practice, okay, Lord, this is what my day was like today. <laughs> here, was, here was the best part of my day. Here was the hardest part of my day. Mm, that's good. That's good. John, oh, you, Jason, you were going to jump in there? No, go for it, John. Okay. But- I mean, I was going to say, as you're saying that, I'm just thinking of uh, it's chapter three in the, in the booklet. It's entitled Speak to the Lord. And I think it's just so helpful. Um, I mean, one, this is written for students. So the entire chapter is, you know, four or five pages, but just kind of walking the student through, okay, how do we talk to the Lord? Um, how can we speak to the Lord? And so it's just a very tangible um, way to just kind of hold a student by the hand, help them understand, yeah, prayer can be this complex kind of, uh, difficult uh, process because you know spiritual warfare, all of these things, but but helping to simplify it as this is speaking to the Lord, even when you don't really know what it is you're trying to say. Just kind of, I mean, again, going back to Psalm 62 that we reference, you know, pouring your heart out to the Lord, and so just really appreciate how you kind of walk the student through. Okay, how does this look like, or what does it look like practically? Mm, that's so good. Well, we're going to uh, start to wrap up here, and, and John, I want to ask you to tell us a little bit. We didn't come on here for a commercial, we, but we do want to resource people, and we're talking about this little book you guys at RYM just released with Ed, that Ed authored. Can you tell us how folks can get that? And, and I'm going to recommend, if it is available, this is the kind of book that right now uh, youth workers 
you have a tremendous opportunity through social media to minister to your students in groups, you know, using social media platforms and to build your discussions around uh, felt needs right now that are right up at the surface, questions kids are asking. This might be the kind of book that you would use for a discussion that you could walk your students through to, to minister to them and take them deeper in their faith. So tell us a little bit about how to get this, John. Yeah, absolutely. Um, RYM produced this in partnership with Christian Focus Publications. Uh, so people can go to Christian Focus Publications, I believe it's .com, .org, uh, to, to look at how, how to purchase that. Also, Amazon um, is a place you can pick that up. And I'm fairly certain it's only $3.99. It's a small booklet. And so you can kind of buy these in bulk. They're meant to be used as kind of small group discipleship tools or one-to-one -to -one discipleship. Um, or, you know, they're written specifically to the teenager. So it's uh, something students can pick up and, and read on their own. But uh, you can get a, like I said, Christian Focus publications or Amazon to, to pick those up. Yeah. And what we do all the time, and, and people who listen to the podcast regularly, you, you know this. If you go to our homepage, cpyu.org, you click on the player for this particular podcast and you scroll down. Chris Wagner will diligently work to post everything we mention here and even more that would be helpful. So you can just click on those links and go right through. So there will be a link, John, to the uh, ChristianFocus.com and then, and then elsewhere. We're also going to send people to uh, Christian Counseling and Education Foundation uh, where Ed is working. They have a, a host of really helpful resources both online and booklets and things I, as i travel i go i am thrilled to go into churches where they have that racket where all your little booklets are and so many little helpful things that people need to deal with from a biblical perspective the things that we face in life ed i want to ask you beyond this little booklet i know you've written extensively would you just tell us about a couple more of the books you've written to, to resource us and help us navigate these types of things uh, I've written I've written a few books on shame. They're not the only books I've written. It must seem like I have a lot of struggle with shame. And, and I mean, I'm I'm sorry with fear when I yeah. think of all the books I've written on fear. Uh, I have a book. Well, I'm sorry, I don't even remember the titles of my books. So that's I, all right. I, 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 well, I have some. How remember? I don't bother remembering them. Once yeah. I've written, I, <laughs> well, I don't remember the title. But I've written some things on fear, and I've written I guess three books on fear right now. It's because because there's so many things that the Lord says to us that are that are so attractive in the midst of our fear, yeah. they they just fill up more than more than one book. So, so I've written a few different books on fear. I've written books on shame, addictions. Um, uh, I just go. I basically just go through my problem list that I see in my own life and I see in my friends and write about them. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll and we'll get all those up there. Chris will find those. There's one I do want to mention that has been very helpful to me. Uh, I love it. Uh, your book, When People Are Big and God is Small, which is about fear of man. And, you know, to get a handle on that. And that causes some anxiety as well, especially for those of us who are in the ministry world and, you know, we're at times in front of people or we're leading people. You know, that is just an excellent book that I would recommend. And, and youth workers, you should read that. Parents, you should read that as well. You can help walk not only yourselves, but your students through that. So, uh, Ed, let me, let me give you this opportunity, you know, a final word. You have, uh, let's imagine, <laughs> this is not happening, but let's imagine we've got all of North America listening right now in the midst of the coronavirus. Give us a good word 
you know, of encouragement and help us gain some perspective here. I, I'll go with something small rather than something big. I, one of the things that we find in the Christian life is that change happens gradually. And, and Jesus, Jesus alerts us to that, that, that he uses images of creation to talk about change. That is, as things grow so gradually in creation, so grow our own hearts. And it seems like one of the things we're doing now is we're saying, Lord, this is, this is the perfect opportunity for us to be a little bit more still. And would you do your work of growing in our hearts? And would you do, Lord, one thing, one thing? And that's why I've been, I've been going back to, to prayer, where even in my relationship with my wife right now, that's one of the things that I want to grow in. I want to pray not simply before we go to bed, but I want prayer to be, to be something that, that it's dotted throughout our day. So, so I, we're looking for just one small step of growth that the Lord does in us that we can then bring to our families. Mm, I love that. Jason, anything you want to say as we get ready to sign off? No, this has been a really good conversation. Yeah. Ed, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. John? No, yeah, I, th- I think we can leave it where, where Ed left us. That's that's excellent. So thank you. Excellent. Yeah, good. Chris, thank you, as always, for your role in this. And uh, you, you, that was a great question you asked. I was really curious about the answer to that. I'll, I'll leave you all with this as we uh, sign off. And it's just a perspective that's been very helpful for me. It comes from Psalm 119, which is long and it's I love it that it's long because what it talks about is is the beauty of God's word and David's words in Psalm 119 have really resonated well with me and and ministered to me over the years and a few years ago I focused in on one that just jumped out at me verse 71 in Psalm 119 that maybe is one that we can remember as we navigate these days and he writes my suffering was good for me for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees So uh, blessings on you all as you navigate these days ahead. We don't know what's ahead, but we do know that God is sovereign and in control. And so I encourage you all to continue to pray and rest in him. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Ed. And we will be back again with another episode of Youth Culture Matters. Thanks for joining us for Youth Culture Matters, a podcast from the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. If you'd like to learn more about today's youth culture, visit our website at cpyu.org. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, email us at podcast at cpyu.org.